Well, hi, everybody. <laughs> Thanks for coming. It's great to see you all here this evening. And um, as you can see by the title, we're going to be talking about evangelism. Now, isn't that a surprise? And um, effective evangelism, well, what does that mean? Are we going to begin to think about how we can be effective in evangelism? Now, you've got some handouts. Not all of my slides are on the handout because they would be this thick, okay? (laughs) Some of them are, all right? I want us to start by thinking, what is the purpose of the church? Now, what on earth are we here for? What did Jesus say about this? Did he say, I want you to go to church every Sunday, to sing, to pray, and listen to a sermon, even when you can't get into your main building. I want you there every Sunday, and that's what you're about. Did he say that? Well, actually, he didn't, did he? He said, as he ascended into heaven, as you can see there in uh, Matthew 28, therefore, go and make disciples, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. That's really what the church is for, isn't it? That's why we're still here. Now, this verse is where our church gets our purpose statement from. And I want one of you to shout out really loud what the purpose statement of the church is. Now, I hope you know it. Come on. Thank you, Margaret. Yeah. Mission and maturity. That's what Burlington is supposed to be about, mission and maturity. So tonight we're thinking about the mission part of, of that. Okay, What does that mean for us? Now, Jesus gives us a bit of a clue. Uh, hang on a minute. I need to go back a slide which will be interesting. Yeah, that's better. Um, Jesus gives us a clue in Luke chapter 19 when he said, the Son of Man came to seek and save what was lost. If that was his mission, and he wants us to continue his mission on this earth, then we are called to seek and save the lost. I suppose the first question should be, who are we supposed to seek and save? Who does he make us responsible for? And where does he want us to fulfill that mission? Well, one of the ways you could answer that is to say, well, to the whole world. And yeah, that's right, isn't it? We have a responsibility to support worldwide mission, uh, prayerfully and financially. And I know as a church we are going to be thinking about that. uh, Where should we be supporting worldwide mission? But as well as distant lands... We have a responsibility to the local area around us, don't we? We are on London Road for a reason, don't you think? And then thirdly, we each have a responsibility to those that God has put around us, our friends, our family, our colleagues. Well, I don't know about you, but I actually think this third category can often be the hardest because it involves us really getting involved in people's lives. Maybe it's easier to write a cheque and to pray vaguely for the world because we think it's kind of safe because God isn't going to ask us to get personally involved. 
And maybe sometimes engaging with the local community is that little bit tricky. We think, well, you know, they're nothing like me and I've got nothing in common with them, so maybe God will let me off the hook. I don't know what God thinks about that. What about the people that we share our lives with? What about our family members who don't know Christ? Do you think that Jesus wants us to seek and save there? Well, I think he does, doesn't he? Now, some of you might be thinking, hey, all my family are Christians. All my friends are Christians. And, well, my neighbours, you know, they're a bit crazy and I don't want to offend them. And my colleagues, well, there's just no time at work and uh, it wouldn't be professional, would it? If you're thinking that, can I say really gently, as gently as I possibly can, that one day God will hold you accountable for the people that he puts around you? Another thing, if we've only got Christian friends and we only spend our time with Christians, how on earth are we going to fulfill this mission? If we haven't got any friends who aren't Christians, we're just not going to be able to get close enough to anybody to affect their eternity, are we? Jesus' mission for us is the same, wherever it happens and whoever it's for, to seek and to save the lost, to build his kingdom. Now, here come the first set of questions, okay? So please, I'm going to shut up straight away and let you answer these questions, all right? So I want you in your groups around your tables to look at these. And we're going to be doing this at least three times tonight, okay? So there are the questions. How do we do evangelism? Who does evangelism? What are the essential elements of evangelism? And how do we measure success in evangelism? Okay, so I'm going to give you five minutes. And then I'd like all the answers to those questions, please. That would be great. Right then, okay, we'll move on a bit. I thought it might be interesting, and I don't know what you guys are going to think about this, but to look at a bit of research that I did earlier in the year. Um, I'm doing a master's degree in something called missional leadership, and I had to do a research project. And um, one of the main things that I've been learning on this master's degree is that in order to engage effectively with the world out there, we've kind of got to really start finding out what they really think out there, okay? What do people out there think about God and about us? What do they value? Where do they find their meaning? What questions are they really asking? And if we as a church could understand them, then maybe our communication of the gospel would be much more powerful, don't you think? And that's what my research was about. Uh, To find out about the beliefs, value systems and views of the church of a group of non-churched people that we as a church have contact with. And I had to think about how I could use this information to think about best ways to relate the gospel, how to be effective in evangelism to this group. Now, don't panic. There are no pie charts, graphs, or statistics in this, okay? It's just straightforward. So what I did was I made a questionnaire, and I gave it uh, to our toddler group mums, okay? I personally gave it to them, and I also gave them another copy for them to take away and give to a partner or another family member. 
they were all uh, done anonymously. Having said that, though, I know whose is whose because I just know them. Um, they didn't mind, really. Um, and there were three kind of groups of questions around that I, that I was looking at. I wanted to know about their beliefs. So, for example, I asked them, do you believe in God? I wanted to know about their values. So I asked a question like, what would you say are the values that you live by? And I wanted to know what they thought of the church. So one of the questions I asked was, how important would you say the church is to you? So what did I find out? Well, I'm going to share with you just a few things that I discovered. Now, um, on the value side of things... Uh, the group that I asked, family and friends, were perceived as uh, the things that uh, most influenced the values that these people held. And one of the most highly esteemed value was honesty and integrity, which is really interesting. Now, of this group of people, nearly a third said they were Christians, okay? And the rest said that they were non-religious. Now, on that question, I gave them a whole list of options... Uh, all the other faith options, as well as atheist, but they chose either to choose Christian or non-religious, okay? Now, just remember now that I've chosen this group specifically to be a group that aren't Christian, that don't go to church regularly, that I know personally, and as far as I can say, would not have a Christian faith in the way that we would understand it. And yet a third of them said that they were Christian. And as a group, this is what they were like. They may have attended church as children, but they hardly ever do now. They rarely, if ever, read the Bible, if they own one at all. They don't believe they can know God personally. They mainly pray in times of crisis and actually have very little content to their belief. Apart from, there might be a God out there, but that God might be different for everyone. So this group of Christians Christians have a really kind of woolly, broad idea about what it is to be a Christian, okay? Now, the other interesting thing, well, I thought it was interesting anyway, was that um, a third of the whole group have never been to church. A third have never, ever been inside a church building, okay? Now, um, recently, Tear Fund did a um, research project about church attendance in the UK, and they actually found very similar figures. They found that a third of the British population have never been to church. And obviously, the, it kind of is skewed toward the younger age range, so younger people are much less likely to have been to church than an older group. Okay. So what about this group who said that they were non-religious? So a third said they were Christian, and two-thirds said that they were non-religious. Well, the non-religious group... Uh, To them, God is of little importance, if believed in at all. The Bible is irrelevant and never read. Prayer rarely or never happens, and only in times of need. Church is completely irrelevant. Most of them said nothing at all would make them want to come to church on a Sunday. 
Okay? Nothing at all would make them want to come to church on a Sunday. Now, I, uh, I asked another interesting question, which was, if you could ask God one question and was gonna, would get an answer, what would that question be? And the first three points on my slide are three of the answers that they gave. Not everybody answered this question, but those that did, their questions fell into three broad groups. Okay? There were questions around the origins of the universe. Where do we come from? Did God create us? That kind of thing. A group of questions about what is God like? Are you really there, God? That kind of question. And a group of questions about suffering. Why suffering? Why is there suffering out there in the world and why has suffering happened to me? Okay. Now, there was another uh, research project recently called Beyond the Fringe, which was um, done in Coventry, and they asked a very similar question. They asked it to a much bigger group than I did. And they actually found six main questions that non-believers ask. And actually, these three questions were in that group of six. They also had three other questions, okay, And they were about destiny, i.e., what happens when you die? They were questions around purpose. What's the point of life? What am I here for? What value should I live by? And uh, the last one, about questions about the spiritual realm. Is there a spiritual realm? Okay. So I thought it was quite interesting that I got three of the same questions as this much bigger study did. So these are the questions that non-believers are asking. The last thing to mention is that, um, and that came out clearly from the questionnaires, is that there's this real longing for genuine friendship and community, and they seem to be lacking in their questionnaires. The kind of wording they were using was kind of a longing for, a wish that it was like this, a wish there was a genuine community, that kind of thing. Okay, so I've kind of bamboozled you with all this stuff, okay? What does it mean, all right? Now, um, I actually want you guys to try and think about what does this mean, okay? I I want you to think about the results that I've given you from my study, okay? And then I want you to try and answer these questions for me, okay? And we'll do that, and then we'll have a little bit of discussion, and then we'll have coffee, and then I'll tell you what I think, okay? What conclusions I came to. So, what do you make of the results of the research? Sorry, guys. (laughs) What surprises you or interests you the most? And how do you think these results should affect the way we do evangelism as a church? Okay? So you've got all the results in your handout, so you can have a look at that, and you've got the questions to this group. Okay, even the people who, who identified themselves as Christian, the kind of general feeling was that, actually, you know, why would I want to come to church on a Sunday? There's really nothing much that would, want, would get me there, Okay. I know that church to us is kind of central and, you know, we don't see it as strange, but they think church is for religious people and either you are religious or you're not and that's kind of it, okay? So when you ask them to come along to church, 
they're going to wonder, well, what on earth for? Why would I want to come? Even if you do manage to get them along to something, kind of under duress, most of the people, and, and the kind of the younger age group of people, will have hardly any background in the Christian faith. So to expect them to come in and to be converted on the spot just isn't going to happen very often, if at all, okay? Well, because of that then, relationship is absolutely key to proclaiming the gospel. And it's only in relationship with us as Christians that people can see that Christianity works. Somebody said something like they want to know if Christianity works. And that's true. It's not so much that people want to know is it true anymore, actually, but does it work? Yeah, it is true. We know it's true. But we don't start there, you know, in a theological debate, yes, it's true, because people just don't, they're not interested. They want to know, does it work? So that means that most of the groundwork for proclaiming the gospel needs to happen outside the church building. Now, I don't mean just digging up the car park, okay? I mean the groundwork in kind of making their, if I can use the um, uh, seed sowing analogy, making the soil good, that groundwork has to happen outside the church building, okay? We can't just put on a seeker-sensitive Sunday thing and expect people to roll up, okay, and hear the gospel. And in some respects, we have to become the seekers. Remember our mission to seek and save the lost? We are the seekers. We should be out there, not expecting them to come in here. It's not, we shouldn't expect them to have to bridge that massive cultural gap that there is for them and come into church, we've got to do it. We've got to bridge that gap and get out there, okay? Now, that means building relationships with people, lost people. And that's not always easy, is it? And it means we have to take risks. We have to take relational risks with people. We have to put our beliefs on the line. We have to tell people what we think. And sometimes that's not easy, is it? But isn't that what Christ did when he came? He put himself on the line knowing that we might reject him. So, actually, I think everyone is a missionary. We had a bit of debate about what an evangelist is, didn't we? Actually, I think we are all called to be witnesses. Every single one of us, all right? Even when we don't feel like it, we are his missionaries where we are. People watch the way we live. What we say needs to be seen to be a reality in our lives, or we lose credibility. People want to know, does it work? Somebody else said this, we need to be willing to talk about what God is doing in our lives, sharing our story. Now, that sounds really straightforward, doesn't it? But actually, you have to open your mouth and start talking about God with people. And we've kind of got to get over the difficulty that maybe some of us have with talking about God with people. We've, that's how it's going to happen. And somebody else said this, we need to be able to give an answer when people ask us what we believe. 
I said a few weeks ago, we don't have to know all the answers to all those difficult questions because, well, they're, they're difficult questions, all right? But we need to be able to give an answer for what we believe and hope in. We have to be able to say, this is how God affects my life. This is what he means to me. This is the reality of it in my life. That's about telling our story. Most importantly, we need to really love those who are lost. Okay, we need to love the lost, not condemn them. And we need to show that our church community loves each other. If they don't see us loving each other, they're not going to want to know anything about Christ, are they? Okay. I suppose the thing is, though, (laughs) people won't come into church to experience that Christian community. How are we going to show it to them if they're not coming into church? And we'll come on to that in a minute. But first, a couple of questions. Now, um, I've got two lots of questions, but there's a bit in the middle. So I'll just show you the questions first of all. So how affected do you think we are as local church? All right, this is honesty time now. How well are we doing actually at this? How effective are we as a church currently at seeking the lost in our local area? How effective are we as individuals in reaching those we know with the gospel? Now, those are hard questions, and maybe we, it's difficult to measure effectiveness, but okay, they're out there. I'm just going to do a couple more slides, and then we'll come back to these. So what are we doing, for those of you that maybe don't know, what are we doing? Well, various activities that church run have mission as their main purpose, okay? This is the reason they exist, okay? They include tiddlywinks and toy library and Christianity Explored courses, okay? How do you think they're doing? Could we do better? Don't answer that yet, all right? And there are other activities that have mission as maybe part of their purpose, okay? So there are things like contact group, brigades, children youth work, youth work the prison ministry, and there may, there may be others that I, I'm not aware of, but there are things in the church that we do, okay? So most of the things that we run at the church have the potential to have mission as part of their purpose, don't they? Well, they should do, because our purpose is mission and maturity, and if they're not fulfilling one of those purposes, then what's the point, really, Simon always says. Um, So here's a question. Is there anything that you are already involved with that could incorporate a mission focus occasionally? Something maybe that isn't strictly missional, but maybe could once in a while. And can you think of any new ways of fulfilling our mission calling as a church? If you can, I'd really love to know about it. Okay. So, what I want you to do is look at these questions and the first, the other ones, how effective are we? They're on your sheet and discuss them, okay? (laughs) And then we'll talk about it again. So, okay, I'll move on because, you know, I've been told half past eight and all that. Um, So, what about this then? Wouldn't it be lovely to have some training? Wouldn't it be great in this, because I don't know about you, but, you know, sometimes this is really hard and difficult, and I don't, I've never been in a church where I've had any training, really, about how to share the gospel or how to 
to do evangelism. I've, you know, I've never had anything like that. Well, funnily enough, this is what I've been thinking about. And in the new year, I am going to be teaching a six-week course, okay? Some of you in this room will have received an invitation letter or will be receiving it very soon because Margaret's been brilliant. Um, I can't invite everybody at once, okay? So if you haven't received an invitation, don't panic because I will be doing it at least twice a year. And the idea is that every member will get invited, okay? We said... Everybody's a missionary. Everybody should be doing the work of witness then. So everybody will be invited. Uh, And the training is going to be about telling our story, sharing our faith in a natural way with those around us that we can influence. Okay. Now, the other thing that I'm thinking about doing is about developing a team. Okay. To kind of be at the sharp end, as as it were, with me, to look at... How do we do this, maybe, to think further about some of the issues we thought about tonight and to support and encourage each other in evangelism? Um, And we want to pray and share and innovate, really, ways of developing mission uh, through the church community and as individuals. So, you know, you need to come on the course first, but if you think that, you know, floats your boat, then you might want to talk to me afterwards. So... In summary of everything that I've said, it's not so much that the God of the church has a mission, but that the God of mission has a church. What I mean is that mission is what God is about, and he's got his church, us here, to do it for him. Okay, It's not an optional extra, it's why we're here. And we need to encourage each other in this, because it's hard. It's really hard. I'd like to share a personal story now to encourage us, if I can. I want to tell you about one of the women who filled in this questionnaire for me. She is a really close friend of mine. I have known her for the entire eight years that I've been in Ipswich. We met at Tiddlywinks when we had very small children. We have built a strong and close friendship There have been many highs and lows for both of us, and we've supported each other through all kinds of stuff. Now, about five years ago, I asked her to come on an inquirer's course that I was running. It was a Y course at that point. She came. Uh, She stayed the course. And at the end, she rejected Christ as being completely irrelevant to her. She said to me since that she only came because I asked her and she didn't want to let me down. Now, did I give up on her? Well, actually, no, I didn't. I care really deeply about this girl. She said that she was concerned that if she rejected Christ, I would reject her. And I've had to tell her many times over the years that that isn't the case and that I love her and I will love her no matter what. I think she's beginning to believe that. Now, in all this time, she had never been inside the church building until last Christmas when we asked her and her family to come to the carols by candlelight, and they all came. Now, it took seven years to get to that point. Then, in July, she came on a Sunday morning because I told her I was singing and she was really intrigued. She didn't know I did that. Wanted to come and have a laugh, basically. 
<laughs> which she did. So she came, she really enjoyed it. And so that's it, twice in eight years. Well, that was until last Sunday. There I was at the front of the church singing, microphone in hand. We were singing and the kids were bringing the Samaritan's purse boxes down to the front. And I spotted her eldest son carrying a box. And I thought, what's he doing here? (laughs) That's weird. And then here she comes with her little one carrying a box. I could hardly believe it. I mean, to say I was shocked is an understatement. I could have fallen down dead on the spot. I was so stunned. I hadn't asked her to come. What on earth is she doing there? Twice in seven years, and here she is. Well, I managed to talk to her afterwards, and she said that on Saturday, she'd had a bad day, and she thought, do you know what, I'm going to come to church tomorrow. <laughs> I'm just going to come, I don't know, she didn't know why, but she thought, right, I'm going to come to church tomorrow. Now, she is one of these people on that questionnaire that said, nothing would get me to church on a Sunday. And that was an honest answer on her part. She thought nothing would get her there. And yet, here she is, one Sunday morning, turning up out of the blue. Now, what on earth happened? Well, I've got my theories, okay? And they go a bit like this. Now, for eight years, I have built a strong relationship with her, close enough for her to see that Christianity is real in my life and that it's changing and affecting me. She's witnessed that. I've been completely honest with her in the last year and told her all sorts of stuff that, you know, because I just can't help it. So I've told her, okay? I've also started praying for her really properly in the last year in a way that maybe I wasn't doing in the past. And the other thing, which I think is really interesting, is that she has experienced Christian community through tiddlywinks, okay? She's actually almost been enfolded in the Christian community of believers, all right, uh, that are in Tiddlywinks. There's enough of us there to have that kind of effect. She has made close friends with other people in that group, uh, namely Joe Holmes, Margaret Hill, Katie, Kerry. There are loads of others that she's made friends with and does social things with. So when she walked into church on Sunday, she was really comfortable because she knew loads of people that were sitting there. She said to me after the service that she'd really enjoyed being there and that she felt much better than she had when she'd walked in. She wasn't really sure about all that stuff about Jesus, though. She just couldn't figure that out at all. Well, do you know what? I know that the Holy Spirit is working on her big time and I'm really excited but you know what, I just have to be ready for when she asks me. And, you know, I, I'm quite happy, she knows. I'm really happy to talk about it with her. And I'm waiting for the questions. Do you know what, one day I'm beginning to believe this. I believe that I'm going to stand in that baptism pool with her. And oh boy, I can guarantee it is, okay? <laughs> now, I don't know when that's going to be. But I know that I'm not going to give up on her. And the eight years that have come up to this point have been worth every minute of it, okay? Let's try to make sure that we make time for those important relationships with those that are lost out there without hope, okay? If we don't tell them, nobody else is going to tell them. It's not just trying to be effective, is it? And we're not trying to win points with God, 
But we're trying to win lost souls for him, aren't we? We're trying to snatch people from the jewels of hell, aren't we? And if we really believe it, what we say we do, if we, if we, we really believe what we say we do, then we'll want to be as effective as we can be. And maybe we're willing to say something like Heather said this morning, whatever it takes, Lord, whatever it takes, help me to be the person that brings you know, your love to this, this friend of mine. Whatever it takes. If that means actually saying something, whatever it takes.